All right, my friends, welcome back to your Bible book by book. I'm Pastor Luke, and this is the book of Philippians. And Philippians is, uh, again, I'm going to say this a lot, but it's one of the Pauline epistles, and that just means that it's a letter written by the Apostle Paul. And it's another one of his uh, prison letters, um, uh, or prison epistles, which means that it was written uh, by Paul from prison. And uh, there are a few books that he wrote from prison, and we know that he wrote them from prison because uh, he clearly uh, says within the book uh, that uh, he is uh, imprisoned. And so Philippians, it, it states it pretty early on in the book. In Philippians 1, 12, 13, uh, he says, I, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And uh, most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak uh, the word without fear. And he mentions imprisonment again uh, in another verse down down the way. And so he's mentioning that he's imprisoned. We know that he's imprisoned as he's writing Philippians. Uh, also uh, Ephesians, also Colossians, and uh, the book of Philemon, uh, because he mentions specifically that he's in prison, and we believe. I mean, Paul was in prison uh, several times. He was jailed several times, uh, but these books seem like they were probably written by Paul when he was imprisoned in Rome um, towards the end of his his career, to the end of his life. Um, and so, uh, as he's writing these books, uh, here's what is interesting about Philippians. Um, there's a lot that's interesting about Philippians, but. Um, you go back to Acts chapter 16, and uh, you get an understanding of how uh, the church there started, okay, in, in uh, Philippi. Uh, and what happened was that Paul, on his missionary journeys, um, he, was, he was intending and wanted to go into Asia. Um, while he's in Turkey, he's, he's ministering among the churches there. Um, he's trying to go towards the east, uh, the Spirit of Christ, it says, uh, prevented him from doing that. The Holy Spirit, somehow, we don't know how. He doesn't say how. The book of Acts doesn't tell us exactly what was going on, why he was prevented. Maybe it was in his spirit. Maybe it was, you know, a shut door somehow that, you know, in travel he couldn't get, you know, from one place to the next very easily. We don't really know. It doesn't say how he was prevented, but it just says he was not allowed by God uh, to go into the east and preach the gospel in Asia. And so um, he finally, he gets a vision, a dream, uh, a vision of a Macedonian man in the night. And uh, he takes that as a very clear sign from God that he is supposed to go west. Uh, Macedonia is just uh, the northern part of Greece. Um, and so he, he and his companions, they begin to travel west. They get on a boat right away. Uh, they go um, and Philippi is the first city they come to. It's the it's a major city. It's a Roman city. Uh, it's the first European um, city that Paul begins to preach in. And so uh, the first church in Europe that's established um, by Paul and his ministry is in Philippi. And so the story there is that uh, there's no synagogue. Now, Paul's policy when he would uh, preach the gospel first to the Jews, then to the Gentiles. He would go to a synagogue. Synagogue basically just means it was uh, a place of, of for Jewish people to gather and worship, study, uh, have fellowship, etc. Uh, there didn't appear to be one in Philippi. 
Um, and so what they did instead uh, is they went to the river um, where there was known to be uh, a place of prayer. And so uh, they go to the river. They begin to preach to the people that are there. It's largely women, appears like. Um, and Lydia becomes the first convert mentioned uh, to Christianity in Europe, and, and she gets baptized right away. Her whole family comes uh, to faith in Christ, and they get baptized, and a church starts. Uh, right away, um, what happens in uh, Acts chapter 16 is that um, Paul basically uh, gets himself into trouble because he exercises a demon. Uh, there's a young uh, slave girl who is uh, known to be a fortune teller who is being used by um, slave owners uh, to make money off of her. Um, she's following Paul and his companions around, saying that he is a servant of the Most High God, that people need to listen to him, but uh, he's disturbed in his spirit about this thing happening, and probably because a demon is basically um, being used to, to promote his ministry, and, and that doesn't sit well with Paul. Uh, also, there's a, a social justice issue um, with this girl um, being used, uh, by these slave traders. And so anyway, Paul, um, through the power of the, ho- power of the Holy Spirit, he exercises the demon, casts it out, um, and then the, the slave owners become very angry with Paul for the fact that they can't make money off of this girl anymore, and uh, they stir up a problem for him. Now, they don't um, stir up a problem because of his Christianity. Uh, they actually uh, accuse him of being a Jew who is um, pr- uh, promoting practices that are illegal for Romans. Basically, what was going on in those days was that, generally speaking, the, the Roman um, uh, government and, and religion uh, was uh, polytheistic, meaning they had many gods, and they didn't mind other people worshiping other gods as long as they worshipped or, or uh, respected the gods that the Romans believed in as well. You, is, you could have as many gods as you want as long as you included the Roman gods. Um, but uh, Ju- Judaism uh, and Christianity at that time, basically the, the only uh, religions known uh, in the Roman Empire that were monotheistic. Okay, They only believed in one God, and they, and they rejected the worship or reverence or even acknowledgement of any other God. And that included a specifically and especially the emperor. The emperor was deemed a deity by the Romans, and people were expected to pay him a certain amount of, of worship. The Jews and the Christians were monotheistic. They would not do that. Um, and so uh, they got themselves into trouble. Now, generally speaking, the Romans uh, accepted uh, the Jewish practice of monotheism, they kind of allowed it, they, they permitted it, uh, by and large. But during this time, okay, this specific period of history, um, something's happening in the Roman Empire with the Jews, which is that um, because of issues in Rome with the Jewish people causing problems, um, they, they had kicked out the, the Jewish people from Rome. They, they had... Uh, uh, basically said you cannot live in Rome, you can't be in Rome, they are prohibited from entering Rome, all the Jewish people. And so at this particular time in history, um, the Jewish people are in hot water with the Romans. Uh, it was popular uh, to, to uh, persecute Jewish people at this moment in history. Um, and so 
Paul is being accused of, of uh, promoting Jewish practices, which he is Jewish, and he does um, uh, seek to help people understand the, the God of Judaism um, because it's the same God of Christianity. Um, but they, they don't particularly ac- accuse him of Christian practices. You'll see that he's uh, persecuted by the Jews also uh, for proclaiming Christ as the, as the Messiah, as the Savior. Uh, but in this case, anyway, he is... Um, persecuted because, uh, not really because of his Judaism or his religion at all. It's really because um, he, he, he offended uh, these people who are trying to make money off of the slave girl, slave girl, and so they are looking for a way uh, to try to get him into trouble, and this is the way that they use. Anyway, it works, um, and he's arrested, he's beaten, he's thrown in, in prison, um, it, which becomes a way for God to... Um, do a, a wonderful work of, of uh, salvation. So uh, Paul and Silas are in prison, um, and they're worshiping, they're celebrating God, they're are praying, they're singing songs, and uh, the Holy Spirit shakes the, the foundations of this jail, unlocks their chains, br- busts open the doors, and the jailer wakes up and uh, sees all the doors open and assumes that all the prisoners escaped. Well, they didn't. Um, they stayed in jail, even though they were free. Um, and so this becomes a moment for the jailer uh, to understand that he can be saved, not just from death, because if the prisoners would have escaped, he would have had to pay with his life, uh, but really from eternal uh, damnation, because he understands that these people have, have conscientiously spared his life by staying in jail, even when they could have escaped. And so he respects that to the degree that he wants to hear more about their faith. And Paul preaches the gospel to the jailer. The jailer becomes a Christian um, and his whole family, and they, be- they become part of the uh, church in Philippi as well. So anyway, this is the, the foundation for um, the, the story of the Philippian church. <clears throat> Paul writes to them. He leaves. He writes to them. Um, and, and it is, it, it's kind of interesting because he doesn't spend a ton of time in Philippi and his experiences there aren't necessarily completely positive. He, he's beaten, he's jailed unfairly. Um, and then he's basically asked to leave, uh, after he tells them he's a Roman, um, they are pretty scared about that because they, they did not have the legal right to beat him, um, without a trial or to jail him without a trial. Um, and so they uh, come and they try to, you know, persuade him to leave uh, quietly. Um, and so the, that's the, the history of, of Paul's time in Philippi. He starts the church there. He leaves, and to our knowledge, he never returns. Um, yet, with all that said, um, the book of Philippians, the letter that he writes back to them while he's in jail in Rome, is one of the most positive New Testament letters that we have. It is uh, beaming with joy, with um, a, a certain amount of, of uh, love, a, a great amount of love and respect for the people there, their faith. Um, it's very encouraging. It's called the Book of Joy um, that Paul writes to the Philippians. There's almost nothing in it that is negative, nothing corrective, nothing that is rebuking them for some, some wrong thinking, wrong teaching, wrong practice. Um, the only negative thing in the book of Philippians is towards the end. Um, Paul encourages a couple of ladies to try to get along. Um, that's, that's about it. 
uh, that they're having some kind of disagreement, and uh, he encourages them to try to agree in the Lord and, and get over whatever their their issue is. Uh, that's about it. Everything else is really very positive. The, the whole book um, really centers around um, the humility of Christ and how, uh, as Christians, we can go through suffering, we can go through hardship, we can deal with whatever this world brings because we have an eternal hope. And so um, he says uh, several things that are really um, hugely important, but he, he says in chapter one that he believes and he knows that God's going to complete his work in us to, to the point of maturity, that he, whatever he starts, God will finish. Uh, and then he moves into in chapter 2, it, the humility of Christ, he says, our attitude should be the same as his, uh, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something uh, to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, a servant, uh, being found in human form, etc. Um, and so he, he promotes Jesus as the model for our attitude, which is that uh, we're here to serve. We're here to uh, honor him. We're here to be um, reflections of him, uh, no matter what pain or suffering we go through. Paul has been through it. In Philippi, and they saw that, um, in fact, I mean, I'm assuming that the church there knew full well the suffering that Paul went through while he was in their town, and then they hear a report that he's now in a Roman prison in Rome, uh, that he is actually, um, you know, being put up for execution, and they're very concerned, and obviously they, they would be very heartbroken and worried about that. Um, and he basically is saying, listen, you, no matter what happens, whether I live or die, um, it's all for Christ. And, and if I die, I get to go be with Christ. If I live, then I get to serve him. And so don't worry about it. Um, one way or the other, Jesus is going to be exalted. Uh, we're all heading towards that same uh, place anyway, you know, sooner or later. So whatever we can do uh, to honor him now, uh, let's do that and, uh, and rejoice in that. And so it's, it's kind of a strange irony that Paul, in his darkest moments, and when in his imprisonments, in his persecutions, uh, seems to be, um, in those times and, and uh, occasions, the most um, conscious of proclaiming joy and, and uh, fearlessness and celebrating Jesus, um, that these are great opportunities to show. And, and this is what I would say um, as we go through and understand that, is that um, that is the biggest or greatest or strongest witness that Christians have is when, not when we're, everything is great and we can say, oh yeah, Jesus, he's really blessing me, which is great. That's fine. I, I don't look for persecutions or hardships, but, but when we go through the most difficult times of our life, you know, the most painful moments of our life, and yet we're still exalting Christ, still holding on to our faith, still, you know, exhibiting a tremendous amount of peace um, and confidence in God, that's when the world takes notice because that's what the world ultimately needs. They need to know no matter what happens in this life, we'll, we'll all go through hardships, but that there is an inner peace, that there is a, an external um, Holy Spirit that we have that can come in, into our lives and, and, and help us through that then you know, changes our perspective, our understanding of, of everything. Um, of life and of eternal life, of, of what's going to happen in the next life, um, that, that we can have a peace about everything. Um, and so that's what the, the letter of Philippians is really ultimately about. Uh, one of the most famous, uh, I guess, or, or maybe it's just my most 
um, favorite passages is uh, when it says, Rejoice in the Lord always, chapter 4, verse 4. And uh, again, I'll say it again, rejoice. Um, let your reasonableness be made known to everyone. The Lord's at hand. But here, and here's really the point that I think is huge. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with, uh, with uh, thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's, um, it's a call to action. This is what we do. Uh, don't be anxious, um, but instead pray. Um, and here's the promise that uh, God will supply the peace. Um, and, and that's, to me, it's a, it's a promise. It, it's a guarantee. If I will do this, if I'll pray, um, then he will do his part, which is to supply the peace. Um, and there's so much more in the book of Philippians that is so encouraging and uh, strengthening for believers, no matter what you're going through, but especially if you are going through difficult times, uh, the book of Philippians is the, the, the book to turn to. Um, and so I would encourage you, again, to read it. It's your Bible, book by book. Thanks.